Hello everybody, Tia Yiv, and welcome back to our podcast. So we continue our series today with Antoinette. Hi Antoinette, thank you Hi. for your presence. And today we're going to talk about shadow work, which is an essential part of our healing journey. And it can be full of challenges, but also a beautiful process of release and alignment and coming into ourselves. And this is a word that you may have heard thrown about a little bit um, within spiritual practices or along your healing journey. So we're just going to explore what it is, what can be involved from our own experiences and hopefully provide a little bit of insight and some tips to help you along your own healing journey. So Antoinette, the the process of working through our shadow and letting go, what's the first thing that comes to your mind from your own healing journey? Well, um, I think just a little bit of a, an explanation because <clears throat> people hear the word the word shadow work and they don't really understand or know what it what's it about right yeah right so for me shadow work is really um to work with the shadow is really to work with the things that we've suppressed to confront the ego aspect of ourselves and to eventually hopefully transcend that so it can take many forms um, to do this kind of work. You can get help from others, like healers and uh, psychologists, counsellors, that kind of thing, um, sh- um, shamanic uh, practitioners. Or you, you you can, if you have this, the tools, do it by yourself, you know, contemplation, um, sitting with what's coming up, what's triggering you, and looking for the lessons that's trying to come forth yeah and I think that a lot of spiritual practices focus on the light and connecting with the light within and working um, from a place of light and that is an essential part of the foundation work I think um, as we we embark on the on the healing journey because we do need to find that light within ourselves and connect with the essence of our being before we really embark down the road of shadow work and to be able to differentiate between the two. And I suppose what comes to my mind when that word pops up is we have that pure light aspect, which is connected to our higher self, the essence of who we are, the essence of our being, our direct connection to source. Mm -hmm. And then we have those energetic imprints that may be as a result of our environment, past experiences, Uh, can be ancestral, can be soul imprints, but they tend to be imprinted somewhere in our nervous system or in our body that creates blocks. And it's a process of understanding a lesson, you know, or what the message of that block is. And that's a teaching in itself, which helps us on our healing journey. Mm -hmm. But it's also about being able to to manage the process of working through it because it can be intensive. Some aspects of our shadow are easier to work with than others. Some wounds, some blocks are um, easier to transcend or to release. Um, but it comes down, I think, to having the the foundation skills, the basics, being able to ground, being able to to know who you are and then to gradually explore 
the deeper, um, darker, but not necessarily bad aspects of ourselves. But um, it's an essential, it's an essential aspect of who we are as well, isn't it? Yeah. It helps to mold us into our, into who we're here to be. Yeah, definitely. Um, the thing about shadow work um, is often to do, do with the ego. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, and like the ego gets a bad rap um, in spiritual circles. Uh, like they always, you hear the teachings that you need to suppress it or overcome it or, or, or basically ignore it. But that's, that's not, well, in my experience, that's not the path. The path is really to essentially make friends with the shadow, with the ego aspects of ourselves. There's so much that it can teach us and it's brought us so far, like in our lives to this point. It's, it's, it's presented us with opportunities to learn from, right? Yeah. And this, this path, um, another, another, a term for it is the dark night of the soul. And um, there's off, there's tons of books written about this. So yeah, people can go look it up. Absolutely. And coming back to the ego. Yeah. As you say, making friends with it. And I think that there is a misconception of what the ego is and what role it plays, you know, in our well-being and our, in our life in general. And for me, it's the ego keeps us safe. Mm. tries to keep us yes in our comfort zone tries to keep us where we are so it stops us from moving forward sometimes and from moving out of a place of comfort and into a new experience or to the next part of our growth and development but the intention is to keep us safe and protected and i think the ego as well teaches us a lot about boundaries i've mm. definitely have much more defined and healthier boundaries since I started to engage with my ego and understand, okay, what exactly are you trying to tell me right now? You know, or why are you giving me those messages? What is the underlying key teaching there or key message that you're trying to give me about this situation or about um, this experience? Yeah. So that's what you're talking about really is the process of discernment. That's the last episode we spoke about. Yeah. Definitely. So it is about taking the time, getting to know yourself, figuring out like what's triggering you and the traumas that are coming up and really discern, take the time and figure out like what is essentially me? What is my core essence? What is my soul calling out for? And this ego aspect is protection, right? And it's it's a safety mechanism. It's essentially for the, the physical experience and the personality that um, it protects. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't protect the soul at all. The soul is totally separate, right? The higher self. It has its own um, makeup and it's, it's more evolved. Right. And some might argue as well that personality traits, I mean, there's still a lot of research that's been done around this, but... There are some who argue that a lot of our personality traits are trauma-informed as well. And you mentioned the dark night of the soul and the role that the ego plays in that. It's because the, the, the ego, in a sense, keeps us from re-traumatization in that process too. If it keeps us safe, it keeps us in a place of resistance. So it's trying to gauge how much we can actually process yeah at any given moment so there there are some things that can be positive um 
And then when we do embark, when we do find ourselves in that moment, as you say, at that point, we're in the dark night of the soul. Um, the coping mechanisms that we that we've built up, the foundation work that we've built up and knowing who we are, that sense of self is really essential to be able to to navigate and to bring ourselves back to a place of safety as we move through that, because it's not um, a pleasant experience um, or a particularly nice place to be in. No, generally from my experiences, like society doesn't understand um, deep diving into your, into the shadow doesn't understand like um, pull, people pulling back from other people. Like you, you, you're trying to have it time by yourself, um, needing downtime, even like to the point of getting really sick that you have to take um, sometimes even years of work, you know, to go on the spiritual path. It's not a, it's not an easy path. So yes definitely get help like whatever resonates with you whether it's psychologists or healers you know definitely yeah and I think when you do the the deeper work and you really start to look at those those origin blocks or let's say the for the deepest wound the deepest aspect of your shadow that you're working through at the moment it is about having a number of support networks, I think, you know, you can be on the spiritual path, but I think there's also a certain control that you need to have where um, you don't find yourself in the midst of trauma without somebody to call or somebody to work with or a mentor to work through through those aspects with, um, because it can be quite dangerous. And you're right that there's there's two issues that I see First of all, like a lot of what you're referencing is is mental health issues and it hasn't been spoken about. It's, you know, it's coming more to the forefront, but it was something that you had to hide or you had to suppress somehow. Um, you you could be physically sick, but there was very little spoken about if you had like deep exhaustion, fatigue, burnout, where it may take you years to recover. Um and this lack of awareness makes it more difficult, I think, to be able to reach out and find the right support that you need at any given time. Because there is a thin line between spiritual processing, um, working through your energetic blocks and the energetic imprints that may be in your nervous system, and entering into a cycle of trauma, entering into a cycle of, of psychosis, you know, mm -hmm. or or being in a situation where, you know, you can find yourself in deep depressions, deep cycles of anxiety or um, in a downward spiral that can be difficult to come out of. Yeah, definitely. Um, I would I wouldn't say, you know, um, Western medicine like I'm, I'm I, I think um, because some people that are in the spiritual field feel like totally stay away from Western medicine or Western ways, right? They, like, and then they, because they've had such ba bad experiences around it, right? Yeah. My feeling is that there's such, there is a place for each practice. There is a place for each medicine. So whether it's um, a psychologist, you know, um, going to doctors and specialists, getting a diagnosis, it can help. But at some point, we have to take responsibility for ourselves 
to heal, you know, whether it's physical, whether it's trauma, you know, and and that's where the alternative practices, healing modalities really come in, you know, and can support people in it. Yeah. Absolutely. I think there's two stages to this journey and it's um, sustaining your well-being and I suppose expanding your vitality or expanding your energy and growth. And then there's the intervention. And mm-hmm. what we're referring to here is the point where you may need an intervention and then you look outside of of yourself and you find a therapist that resonates with you, whether it be psychologist, whether it be a psychotherapist, uh, whether it be um, a retreat center or, you know, even the Ayurvedic clinics or places where you can go and receive support and basically be held in the process. And I think this is one of the, the difficulties when we do travel down this path. It's the feeling that you're alone in this because it's it's happening within you and it, it may not, it may, but it usually doesn't manifest itself physically that it's so visible to the eye. And so people can be experiencing it and going through really difficult periods of their life and not be able to talk about it or feel like they can't talk about it or feel like they can't reach out. And that lack of being held and being supported and being nurtured is something that I feel contributes to the the challenges of this, of of the shadow work. Because if you would look back in ancient times and when people were more tribal and, you know, there was more of a clan-based approach and you know, people were kept close together and they looked out for each other and, you know, survival wasn't guaranteed. So there was a lot more care given to the preservance of the clan or the tribe in general and taking care of each other's needs. And there was more of a support network. You know, there was more of an understanding of the human needs and the challenges that can be faced and a more acceptance if we look at the ancient traditions there seemed to have been a more of an acceptance of these processes and people just ebbing and flowing out of the light and the shadow work being like yeah. a part of life yeah like often like if you come from a traditional cultural family like many of them you still live with your grandparents some even some of you sorry some of them even live with um the great grandparents so sometimes there's four generations in that household right that um that knowledge that uh that healing um the healings that they teach and pass down the therapies the the ways of being to take care of um yourself and to take care of others it's, it's passed orally and it's just in conversation and because we live in you know, single households, like just a mom and dad or just sometimes just a, even a single parent, right, or yeah. single person, like that's we're losing out a lot. And this is where, like, supportive communities, you know, creating a, a safe, sacred space, you know, comes. it's so valuable on this path. Yeah, that's one of the beauties of, of those communities, of the spiritual communities, is that it brings people together and allows people to just be, vulnerable be authentic be who they are and express what they're going through because yeah otherwise life has become at least here in the western world very isolated for people and that basic advice and skills that can take somebody out of a bad place or can just even to hear from somebody else oh I've been through that yeah 
you know, people even take great comfort of knowing, oh, my grandmother was like that or my mother was like that or that's a trait that can be in the family. There's great comfort in a sense in that because you don't feel alone in the process. And it's amazing what that sense of um, community and that sense of being part of something can bring and can yeah. ease the whole healing process. Definitely. Yeah. And I think when it comes to shadow work, um, for those who are embarking on it, and I think it's a continued journey. I think that there's always aspects of our shadow that arise because as we navigate life, we are naturally um, experiencing and encountering more challenges and get more imprints and all the rest. We're not perfect. Mm. Um, but I think there are steps that you can take even yourself when you're not in the depths of that trauma, you know, when it's not um, a point where you need the intervention or you're on a downward spiral, but just as you're working through, you know, let's say the lighter stuff or the more manageable stuff, um, there are steps that you can take to, to stabilize your journey or to stabilize yourself within it and keep yourself aligned. And we mentioned having the foundation, like knowing who you are, yeah, recognizing the light within you. Mm hmm you know, and differentiating between that and all those shadow aspects. And that's one part of it, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, grow up in a spiritual home with, um, yeah, I guess, um, ancient Kabbalistic uh, teachings, right? Mm -hmm. I was, I, it was mixed. It was many different spiritual teachings, but um, especially the Kabbalistic way uh, I found really gave me such a foundation to understand who I was. So from a very young age, I already knew what I'm about in essence, um, not totally like, you know, it takes time to get to know oneself, but to innately know that I'm a good person, that, um, that there's something about me that strives and wants to thrive that alone, if you look at the um, the essence of a person, the soul essence or the life force, the life force alone wants to live and experience. The life force doesn't want to, you know, corrupt and um, ex extinguish itself. That, that alone, like, lets us know that we have to experience and learn, you know. So from that point, like, outside forces, um, traumas, entities, to really understand and to differ differentiate and um, discern what is me? Is this, this this thought that I'm having, is it me? Do I want to harm someone or is it something else, you know, coming in yeah. that's trying to influence me? Yeah, I think you've explained that perfectly. Yeah. Um, that's a really complex <laughs> issue that you've just explained perfectly. I love that explanation. Yes. Is it to harm or is it to help? And that differentiation that between the vital light of the essence of your being and your soul being, mm. being programmed in a sense to thrive and to continue to live and to continue to grow and to continue to expand. And anything that's not that is not the essence of your being. Yeah. And when you realize that, it can become really easy to then differentiate between those voices or those energies that you might be experiencing or you might feel as a part of you. Mm -hmm. But right, if it's telling you things that are destructive, if it's giving you advice or guidance that leads to self-sabotage, 
if it's putting you down, if it's criticizing yourself, if it's judging yourself, other people, if it's um, in that kind of critical energy or in that dense energy where it's telling you to harm yourself or, or others or be destructive in any shape or form in your life, it's not the essence of who you are. And I think to say you're fortunate to have been taught that at a young age and yeah many people have been but then there are many more that haven't had that experience or haven't had haven't been told yeah you know, that they are these pure light and that is the essence of who they are irrespective of what happens and it can cultural programming and the way in which we discipline kids and the way that we're brought up dictates yeah. so much about how we then travel this whole healing journey yeah definitely I mean, you can even see it in nature. If you look at, like, say your pets, your, say your dog or something, he doesn't go out of his way or doesn't overthink things. How can I ruin, ruin, you know, my owner's uh, day? You know, the only time they do that kind of thing is that if they're traumatized, you know. But if they have a happy home, uh, have a happy disposition, you know, or, or balanced, basically. They don't seek that kind of destructive behavior. So, like, if you look at a tree, all it wants to do is thrive and grow. The same with us. Our essence is like that. Yeah, absolutely. And that's another good point as well. When your needs are met, then you are naturally aligned with that that light aspect and that um want or desire to grow and expand and thrive so when you find yourself as well being destructive of, or having destructive thoughts or having harmful thoughts or just putting yourself down it's helpful to then think in that moment okay what am I missing mm. what need do I have that's not been met and the more I walk this path the more I find the importance in coming back to basics yeah you know so when you are doing your shadow work and you do find yourself at a moment of resistance or at a moment of deep challenge and you start to feel overwhelmed for whatever reason it's just coming back to sleeping mm -hmm. eating well you know getting exercise you know maybe switching off for a little bit and, and meeting friends for a coffee or for lunch or you know taking care of the basic the basic needs going right back and saying well do I have enough nutrition am I having enough rest yeah. um, are my basic human needs being met and so often especially like in this fast-paced society we live in they're not mm -hmm. definitely then the next thing is like even if we are doing all of those things to take care of ourselves and things still go keep going wrong or if we um have really harsh thoughts against ourselves or others, then possibly it could be like a soul contract, right? Mm -hmm. Or carrying the burdens of our ancestors that have never been resolved. Yes. And that that's such a it's such a crazy making thing. Like if you don't come from that kind of uh, upbringing from a spiritual or shamanic, you know, uh, practice. Yeah. Like if we just, um, you know, uh, normal people working and uh, we don't go to church and that kind of thing, and we have like alcoholism in the family and it's getting passed down and 
maybe depression, um, maybe psychosis and that kind of thing. That's where, you know, whether you get you can get the helpers in. So whether it's um psychologists, counselors, you know, um shamanic uh healers, that kind of thing that yeah, can both. deal with contracts. Yeah. Those who can deal with soul contracts, soul retrieval parts, um working through trauma, trauma-based therapy as well can be important in, in that sense. And we experience that a lot here in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um the scarcity, you know, the times of conflict, the time of oppression, the hunger, all these things, you see it in the people, you know. Mm-hmm. We spend a lot of time doing ancestral healing and releasing. And those programs are very much physically within us. And, you know, they are another aspect that we do have to work on because that's our lineage and our ancestors experienced it and it was challenges that they faced but it is discerning as well okay that's coming from a place of fear or hurt or oppression or whatever the trauma is that belongs to the ancestors that was very real to them at the time but is no longer valid to us and and it's okay to release it yeah but sometimes acknowledging or even being aware that that's what that is can take time and it can take an outside perspective to to really come to that realization yeah and for me because it, it almost seemed like um that i was born well you are born with it we come in the the soul contract um is usually well they say created before you are born when you're on the other side of the veil right it's and they lessons for for you as a human as a soul as a consciousness to live out in this life. And it doesn't mean that we have to, you know, suffer through it and we have to, like, um, pay penance for mm. for our ancestors or for the world in general. Yes. It's, it's not that. We have the option. We, we are sovereign, you know. We have um, – and we have our own um, – goals and um lessons that we want to overcome and the whole reason for that those um contracts and lessons is that we overcome and evolve yes and evolve is an important word it's like finding a new way to do it finding a new approach um after working through so much ancestral stuff for a while it was really only this year that it was like oh finally got it um Mm. light switch moment um by Applying the contrary, like so if you look at the west of Ireland and the scarcity and the hunger and the poverty and the oppression that was experienced, you know, at an ancestral level, you know, sometimes we go into that trauma or we go into that pain again and end up experiencing it in our own lives and end up trying to move forward in our life from that perspective, from that place. But if we turn it on its head and start making the healing process about enjoying, you know, like eating good food or experiencing things that our ancestors wouldn't have been able to experience, you know, be it going to like a five-star hotel and having afternoon tea, you know, that's just one, you know, very kind of cliche example, but that's something they wouldn't have been able to do. And they suffered so much and there was so much self-sacrifice to save the people you know, to save the clan, to save the people of Ireland. Like there was so much given up so that future generations 
could have a better future and, and, and live better. And I think that by experiencing that better life, by enjoying these things that they weren't able to do, it is so liberating for ourselves, but for our ancestors. And I've realized it's such an effective form of ancestral healing because you feel the emotional release. It's like yeah. this massive weight has been lifted and I can feel the presence of the ancestors and they're just, they're smiling for once. And it gives them that sense of, okay, my work is done. My life wasn't in vain. What I fought for, what I sacrificed for, I can see now that it has come to fruition. It was worth it. Um, I've achieved what I gave my life to achieve. And that can be so freeing, you know, mm. for them on a spiritual level, for us. And it stops that trauma then from staying in the lineage. Yeah, I'm getting chills hearing yeah. you talk about it. It's it's so awesome. Yeah, coming from China and then my grandparents fleeing because of communism and the wars, right? Mm. And to the, them going across the world to have a new life and build from scratch, you know, a life again for the, the next generation for them. Yeah, just to think that they'd be so elated to see like how my life has turned out. Like we we get we often forget, you know, it's not that long ago that we had world wars and that kind of thing. Yes, we had the pandemic, but it was nothing compared to what they went through. No. Yeah. No, we forget and then we forget the blessings that we have in our life. And I think that's something that kind of niggles at me a little bit with um, the spiritual practices, because there is a tendency to go back. Mm -hmm. And it's I've realized as well that, yes, we need to understand the significance that the rituals, the ceremonies and the teachings had. But we need to understand the significance it had for our ancestors and the meaning it had for them. And find a way as well to translate it somehow into the life that we're living today, into the modern world. So we can keep the meaning, we yeah. can keep the importance and the teaching. But sometimes when we try and replicate old ceremonies or old traditions that are based around suffering or based around grief or, you know, really coming back to basics to the point where it's making life challenging. Yeah. Then you know, I feel like it's it's not as helpful as we might think it is. You know, it's it's repeating yeah. their, not their trauma, but the way that they lived. And I think it sends a message, yes, that they recognize it. They recognize what we're doing, but they see a continuation. Yes. And some ceremonies are beautiful to continue, but some practices need to be shifted into, into a higher timeline, really. Yeah. Definitely. When, in, in, when we're doing these things, like when we're praying or when we're doing ceremony, when we're connecting to the guides and the spirits, they feel the vibration of what we're giving out, the consciousness we're giving out. So if we're doing the old practices and it's based on fear, lack of um, abundance, you know, um, that kind of thing, they're going to hear, oh, they're still in fear. They Okay, we, they haven't gotten over this lesson, let me send more lessons let them learn more so it's just a continuation and we have like since the 80s we have the consciousness has has risen and and we have entered we are in the um entering the the fifth dimension uh, density right and and we have to 
take these practices, takes what takes take what's good with them and make it applicable to what's happening now and uh, within society, within our lives, with us personally and show spirits that this is the consciousness now that we're at. This we've up leveled, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's coming back to what what it is to be in that role or what it is to to be on the spiritual path or you know for those who are initiated or have a certain role within the community. You know, what what is their key role? And like I feel so much of it is about responding and um, responding to the needs of the community, mm. which requires us to sit in the present moment and look at the world as it is right now and see, well, what are the needs? Because they're not going to be the same as they were, you know, 5,000 years ago. So we have to be able to find a way to, you know, to keep the wisdom and to be able to apply it, as you say, to to the needs of today, to the yeah. world we live in right now. Yeah, so this fear-based um, consciousness or trauma-based uh, thinking, really it's a choice. Do we want to carry on with that or do we want to up-level and pick a higher timeline? Yeah. yeah yeah exactly because we're setting the precedent as well for future generations yeah so by being present and responding in the best possible way we're creating the best possible foundation for generations to come yeah so shadow work it doesn't have to be so heavy <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but i'm going to leave on the final note about shadow work it is so personal and mm-hmm. it is so personal to each individual. And I think that's really important to keep in mind because you don't want to be paced by another. Mm. You know, and also to understand that um, your needs are unique to even all those that you might be training with, that you might be walking the path with, that it's really important to to honor yourself first and mm-hmm. your needs first and ensure that they are met and that you feel nurtured and supported in the process. Well, for sure. Yeah. Thank you, Antoinette, for the lovely chat. My pleasure. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye bye.